Let's talk a little philosophy. Let's talk a little bit of Plato. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Music So, this is going to be our first Sunday special here, and I'm doing something different. I'm actually going to be recording this on YouTube, so you're going to be able to see my face if you go to my YouTube channel at Dumbasses Talking Politics. Uh, I don't know if I should be canceling the podcast quite yet, because when you see me, I'm probably going to scare you out. So, what are we going to talk about today? What's this Sunday thing going to be about? We did talk about it earlier. This is going to be more of a review day, a fun day. Uh, we're going to look at some. Uh, we're going to look at a lot of philosophy because I've gotten into philosophy. I'm going to talk about where we came, and I think today is going to be a really big deal. I think today is going to be a really big deal. I'm really excited about it. I'm actually extremely nervous about it. Probably shouldn't be recording myself today. Uh, <laughs> I should probably wait, especially since I really don't know how to use the. Uh, I, I don't know how to use the video, video editing tools, but we're going to figure it out. So uh, a while back, I read Ben Shapiro's The Right Side of History and found that it was time to educate myself on philosophy, uh, especially the most important philosophers in history, specifically Western philosophy, of the philosophy of Western civilization. The same philosophers that influenced Western civilization and Western philosophy also are the ones that influenced our founding fathers of the United States. Now, I think it's, I think it's important to know where the greatest document in human history came from. That's the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. I think it's important to understand this. So I'm going to lay the path down to where these things came from. Now, on Sundays, the Dave Rule does not count. It's it's not going to be here. I it, This could go for an hour. It could go for an hour and a half. Whatever. Dave doesn't have to listen to it. I'm sure he will. Uh, but I really am going to really push him to actually join us and let him speak. There are a couple people I really am dying to have on this podcast. Now, one of the things Shapiro points out is that the philosophies of Western... The philosophies that made Western civilization what it is today came from two places, Jerusalem and Greece. Greece came up with the philosophy of Western civilization, uh, came up with the uh, philosophy of reason, and the Judeo-Christian uh, philosophy came from, which was specifically uh, grounded with the Jews, came moral purpose. So we're going to talk about what I'm reading, I'm, I'm, I'm starting with Plato, that may not make sense to you, and I would totally understand, and I'm going to explain why I decided to start with Plato outside of, let's say, Aristotle, which actually is the father of Western civilization. T today will be just an introduction, all right? And then what we're going to do is I'm going to go through each book of Plato's Republic, and Plato's Republic... It's the one that most of us know of when it comes to Plato. We're going to talk about how it was written, a little bit about Plato, a little bit about Socrates, and so forth. Now, you may see that I, I'm going to uh, bend my head a little bit every once in a while. I'm going to try and look up 
at the camera, but again, I'm really new at this. So there are going to be some nerves. This is going to be very rough. And I am as funny looking in real life as I seem to be on this YouTube channel. So, um, so let's, let's talk about Plato and Socrates. This is going to be, this is something. Plato, who was uh, born in 427 BC and died in 347 BC, uh, is kind of an enigma in the philosophical world as far as the scholars are concerned. Um, and that's because Plato never really said anything on his own. He never gave his own philosophy. In all his works, and he's had um, a 35 dialogues and 13 letters, in all his works, he was using the voices of other people. Most of the works, he was actually listening to Socrates. He was not listening, he was not giving his opinions. Um, the, 13, the 13 letters were actually even dismissed because they weren't even sure he wrote them. So right off the bat, you're looking at the 35 dialogues, most of which were of Socrates, who was born in 470 uh, BC and died in 370, 399 BC, and was actually the teacher of Plato. So Plato was raised by Socrates. That's going to be important later when we talk about why I went straight to Plato and didn't bother, uh, just decided to wait on talking about Aristotle, who was really the important philosopher when it comes to Western civilization. Um, sc scholars believe that Plato may have never used his own quotes or because of so Socratic ignorance. What is Socratic ignorance? This, again, this is a very, very important concept if you're studying Socrates and uh, Greece, Greek philosophy. Socrates believed that uh, we really are ignorant people, that we are not, um, we don't know everything. And the second we stop, try, stop thinking we know everything and we accept that we know nothing, that's the only way we're actually going to learn. The Socratic ignorance is a paradox. Uh, one acknowledges that he, what he doesn't know, not what he does know. Socrates believed that the only, the only way that one can learn is to acknowledge he knows nothing. And Socrates expressed this belief more than once in the quote, I only know one thing that I know nothing. And he said that multiple times. This is not something he, he came up with. He died thinking that. The irony, the irony of the Socratic uh, ignorance is that it's also considered, it's also called Socratic, the Socratic wisdom. So again, the irony, the paradoxes, they're all there. Uh, Plato, again, is a student of Socrates, also may have believed in this, that he did not really know anything, and he did not publish his own words because he didn't believe that he was qualified enough to publish them. Again, that's a theory of scholars. He was very close to Socrates. Obviously, most of his works were based off Socrates, but no one really knows. So, um, Plato should have taken credit. Uh, should have taken credit because the reality is Socrates didn't do anything. Um, but he was already rich. I mean, Socrates had actually, or uh, Plato had actually founded the first institution of higher learning 
in Western civilization. Because Socrates, so he really didn't need to um, take credit for something that may or may not have been his. A lot of people think a lot of philosophies were his, but no one really knows. Uh, here's the thing with Socrates, and this maybe if things were a little different, we'd know a little better. The thing with Socrates is if you go to Amazon.com and you type in Socrates, you're not going to see one thing come up. It'll all be about Plato. Plato's works will come up. And the reason that is what it is is because uh, Socrates didn't write a thing down. He never published anything. He never wrote a manuscript. He never did anything of that nature. He just preached, basically, sort of. When we get you, Socrates has a very different way of reasoning with people. He is, it's going to be very interesting. We're going to talk about that when we go through book one. Because Socrates doesn't actually preach. Socrates doesn't actually tell you anything. He actually just, he just asks a lot of questions. And you answer the questions and you come up with the philosophy. Um, so, What's important about Plato, and the reason why I really like to give Plato a lot of credit, is Plato was the uh, teacher, the mentor, of another great Greek philosopher who we're going to talk about in a little bit, named Aristotle, who lived from 384 to 322 B.C. Now, something you should realize right off the bat when we talk about all this, we're talking these writings were written 2,500 years ago. 2,400 years ago. Pretty amazing what, what actually happened. So, but the first thing we need, let's, let's, let's move on from Socrates and, uh, because not a lot's known about Socrates, to be honest with you. It, there's just not a lot out there. Um, a lot is known about Plato. A lot is known about Aristotle. But now let's talk about something that I'm really excited to talk about, and that is going to be Western civilization and how it came to be. Aristotle is, continue, is considered the father of Western civilization. In his writing, Ethics, and there's a big long Greek word before Ethics. I haven't read the entire book yet. I'm, that's actually my next. Uh, he defined Greek telos, which states that each human being has a purpose in life. There is a means to an end. You may not understand what it is. Uh, each person is an individual with a purpose and capacity. Uh, purpose is the reason one exists and the ca capacity, and I don't, I, I like Ben Shapiro's uh, definition better than my definition, but capacity are the limits that you have applied to you, what you can and cannot do. We all have capacity, all right? Aristotle's philosophy, I, I, an example of capacity was you're not, you're never going to see me on the NBA. You're never going to see me in the NBA. I'm short, I can't shoot, I can't run, I can't jump. That's my capacity. So my purpose, my means to an end, is probably not going to be a professional NBA basketball player because of the capacity that is placed on me. That's an important concept to understand because a lot of people who want to be guitarists, let's say, or musicians or actors, they don't understand that there's probably a capacity that won't allow them to do that. And that's fine. You do have purpose. 
You just need to figure out what it is. There is a means to your life. There is a means to an end to your life. Aristotle's philosophy has influenced just more than scholars. He's influenced science, mathematics, physics, and he's the base to Western civilization and the greatest, uh, the greatest political experiment in human history, the United States. Um, it was one of the main themes focusing on the individual's God-given rights that Aristotle proclaimed and that the founding fathers built the Constitution based off of. It led to that little, it led to the Constitution, it led to the Bill of Rights. Of course, it wasn't Greek philosophy that influenced the Founding Fathers. To the dismay of the Freedom from Religion Foundation and other atheist groups, uh, the Founding Fathers were also influenced by the Judeo-Christian Bible and the Judeo-Christian uh, philosophy, which is that of moral purpose. Uh, moral purpose is the drive for us to be better and more moral people through faith. Judeo-Christian philosophy believes that, it, that we have a greater calling. In this case, the calling is from God. God is tells us that we need to improve, we need to be better, we need to be more moral, and we will have a better life. And doing immoral acts will not only damn us, but it will make us worse people. There was just kind of one problem. Greek philosophy was based on moral purpose. Uh, Greek philosophy was based on reason and means to an end, purpose to an end. Whereas um, Judeo-Christian philosophy or moral purpose was based on morality and the look at a higher conscience. It depended more on faith than reason. So the two philosophies actually traveled parallel to each other. So they were not, they were not intersected. And this is really important because when we talk about Greek, Greek philosophy and, um, I'm sorry, my computer's going off. When we talk about Greek philosophy and Judeo-Christian philosophy, they don't mesh. Reason does not require faith, and faith does not require reason. This is a bad thing for both philosophies, and you could actually, you could see that throughout history where the two civilizations, the Judeo-Christian civilization and the Greek civilization, actually were beginning to deteriorate. As a matter of fact, the Greek civilization just crashed altogether, and the Judeo-Christian civilization was also suffering because the two philosophies can't survive without each other. They're necessary. So here, here lies the problem. How did the two philosophies actually come together? Because if Judeo-Christian philosophy couldn't survive without Greek reason, and Greek reason couldn't survive without moral purpose from Judeo-Christian philosophy, how did they actually come together? And it did, finally. 1225 to 1274, there was an Italian friar named St. Thomas Aquinas. I'm sure you've heard him. And Aquinas 
was heavily influenced influenced by Aristotle. He really believed in Aristotle. Unlike many philosophers of the time, and you got to remember, this is a time where if you didn't believe what the Christian church told you, or the Catholic church at the time, if you didn't believe what the church told you, they killed you. All right, there was there was just not a lot of room there. That whole Friday the 13th thing, maybe one day we'll talk about that when it turns out to be Friday the 13th, but that whole Friday 13th thing was because the Catholic the Catholic church, the in Rome, the pope, all of that stuff decided to kill a lot of people. So, we can get into that later, but you got to understand this Catholic priest St. Thomas Aquinas made a huge pronunciation where he said that reason could be found in God. That reason and faith were not separate things. That reason, faith, and God were all tied together. He actually went through the Bible. He used scripture to prove this. And this was accepted by the Catholic Church. And at that point, Western civilization was born. Now, I've given you a very simplistic political, I've given you a very simplistic view of the political history of the United States and Western civilization. This is not a complex view. I have ignored the other major philosophers whether it be good or bad. Some philosophers have influenced the United States, like Adams. He influenced the United States in a positive way. And there are other, uh, there are other philosophers, like Nietzsche, who did not influence Western civilization well at all. Rousseau was another one. He was absolutely terrible. This is just how the U.S. came to be in 1776 or 1783, whenever the Constitution was actually implemented. Um, I have, why am I doing this? Because I've read the Bible multiple times. I'm actually on my third reading of it. I read it back, way back, when I was probably in my 20s. When my son died, I bought a special Bible, which is just daily readings to get through a year so I could read the Bible in a year, and I finished it. And I started it again, because I, I thought there's just a lot in it that makes me feel really good. I, I really enjoy the Bible, and it really gives me purpose. I understand it. So I've read it multiple times. I'm very familiar. I was also raised in a, as a, in a Catholic education for most, for Oh, geez, 12 years. So I have a very deep understanding of the Catholic faith, of the Christian faith, of the Judeo-Christian faith. What I don't have an understanding of is, excuse me, something was crawling up my phone. What I don't have an understanding of is the uh, uh, Greek philosophy. I really don't. I mean, I, I know Plato. I have read Homer, who, um, who uh, <laughs> Plato or Socrates, or both, destroy in the first book of the Republic. So I've decided, you know what, I'm going to start reading some of the Greek philosophies. Now, the other question you might ask yourself is, okay, that's great. That makes absolute sense. But why are you reading Plato? Why aren't you going straight to, uh, why aren't you just going straight to Aristotle? He is the father of Western civilization. And 
to be honest, the books are separate. It's not like I have to read Socrates to read Plato to read. Uh, it's not like Homer, where uh, Homer's Odyssey and his other books, they have to be read in order. They don't. And the philosophies are a little bit different. But I decided, you know something? Socrates was Plato's teacher. Plato was Aristotle's teacher. So why bother? I mean, the book is only 300. The Republic, which is probably going to be the only one I'm going to read, is only 300 pages. It's not horribly difficult to read. But I figure, you know, let's let's see what these people were actually like back then. So I actually went for it and I decided to read um I decided to read, uh, start with that book. So let's get back to my little project. Um, I'm starting with Plato because everything Aristotle developed came from Plato and indirectly Socrates. So I figure if I can understand what Plato and Socrates were thinking, I can understand a little better where Plato is coming, where uh, Aristotle is coming from. And I can see the changes and, and the growth of uh, political philosophy, uh, the, the Greek philosophy. I can actually see it grow. Because understand something, Plato never really mentioned anything that Aristotle did. But at least I can see, oh, that's the thing he got from Plato. He got from Socrates, whatever. So about the Republic. And the Republic will probably be the only book I read from Plato. The Republic is the first of three volumes that go over Socrates' political philosophy. And again, we don't know if this is actually Socrates' political philosophy. It might be, um, it might be Plato's. We we just we uh, it might be Plato's. We just don't know. Um, Socrates never wrote anything. The other two volumes are entitled "The Statesman" and "The Law." Uh, the Republic focuses, of course, the law and the statesman. The law focuses on the laws that are created, and the statesman focuses on how what a politician is, specifically an emperor or a king or whatever. Um, the statesman is where you may have heard this uh, quote, uh, all kings should be philosophers and all philosophers should be a king. The king should be a philosopher and the philosopher should be the king. That's from the statesman because it's believed that only the wisest should be a king. The Republic focuses on justice and injustice. It's literally 10 books. Each book is what we would consider today a chapter. Um, they're pretty difficult to read because punctuation back then did not exist. So there are no quotation marks. There are very few commas. It's, it's actually kind of a challenge to read. Sometimes I have to read paragraphs over and over again. Um, so what's justice? What's injustice? What is it? Who has it? Who deserves it? Who doesn't deserve it? And it may, and it's really interesting because what Plato does is during these dialogues, he discusses with many different people a different dialogue. And in some books, it can be two or three different people he discusses. Now, those people, all men, that is the first thing you got to remember. This is Greece 2,400 years ago. Women did not have anything to do with this. So for, for those who are going to scream sexism later, I'm sorry, 
They were sexist back then. Get over it. Deal with it. But it deals with different classes. It deals with different castes. It deals with different uh, political affiliations. The dialogues deal with different uh, economic situations. As a matter of fact, there are two main economic situations and, and right in the first book. Now, why is that important? It's important because it, it basically covers the different um, thoughts by different people. What, what different people actually thought based on their situation. So that's really interesting. And that's why I'm kind of led to believe that this was really pulled from Socrates himself, that he actually, he actually wrote down a lot of the dialogues best, best he can. I don't think he had a notebook and was writing this stuff down, but I think he, he remembers it based off of listening to actual dialogues by Socrates. Um, Right now, I've actually already read the first two books. I've read the first two books of The Republic. Uh, the first book, well, we'll talk about the two books. Uh, the first book, I didn't really think much of. The second book blew my mind. Okay, right off the bat, it blew my mind and it made me realize uh, made me realize something that the thought processes back 2,400 years ago are very different from us. One of the things that I had to get used to is that the way people thought back then when they really didn't understand a lot of this stuff is very different after 2,400 years of conditioning that human beings have gone through. For example, if I sit back and have a discussion with anybody about what justice is, they're going to give me a definition, a good quality definition that is probably Socratic, probably Platonic. It's something that, yeah, that makes sense because we've been talking about it for our entire lives. But the in this book, people's definitions 2,400 years ago of what justice and injustice is, and a lot of it deal with enemies and things like that. Very interesting, because you're thinking to yourself, what? You believe that justice only applies to the rich or only applies to the king? The other thing I find real interesting is the way that Socrates, the way that Socrates actually talks to the people. Socrates never just tells someone how things are. He just asks questions. And those questions, I think they kind of bring a person down where they're not being stressed out. And they're very simple questions. They're very short questions. And that person answers those questions. And Socrates, without even knowing it, has changed that person's philosophy. It's really interesting. It's almost like a lawyer going and interviewing a witness where they ask the questions and ask questions and ask questions and ask questions and they're short questions. They're easy questions. Nothing complicated. And the witness will answer those questions with yes, no, or, or, or two or three word uh, answers. And then 
the lawyer will actually go in and say, okay, so what you're actually saying is this. That's what Socrates does. And in the Republic, you see it in book one, you see that that's all he does. He doesn't actually come to any conclusions in book one. He does in book two, and book two is just a mind-blowing experience. Book two is what I think we're beginning to miss in society, and I can't wait to talk about book two. So, um, this will definitely be a podcast. Uh, it will be on, you can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, Podcast Addict, or YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Runninfool. And you can visit, this is actually a blog entry. This is not, there are no show notes here. You can actually read this entry at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. It's all one word. I hope you folks have a great weekend. I'm going to sit back here and figure out how to actually edit this video. Um, hopefully I get it okay. I hope you have a great weekend. Music fun.